In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos Scouting Report brought to you by Funny Bone Broth and also brought to you by my mustache, which I am growing for <laughs> Movember to raise money for men's health. So if you would like to donate, you can find my page at movember.com slash M slash Ben Grant. It's, it's starting to get pretty itchy. You can almost see it now. So it's less <laughs> embarrassing than it was. And uh, joining me this week because we've got the fourth matchup between the Tiger Cats and the Toronto Argonauts. So I thought I'd bring in a new face for this scouting report. Please welcome to the show Kyle Mello from Canadian Football Perspective. Kyle, thanks so much for joining me today. It's awesome oh, to have thanks you. Thanks for having me, Ben. Um, I think uh, Argos fans are tired of looking at Marshall's face, so it's okay. Everybody's tired of looking at Marshall's face. So no, he, he's been he's been <laughs> he's awesome. He's on and, TV too. Oh, I know. Like these people are like, get him off my screen. <laughs> can you go anywhere without seeing Marshall's face? Well, yes. you can. You can come here for this episode of the Scouting Report. You don't have to. You don't have to see Marshall. And of course, we kid. He's done some uh, some amazing stuff. It's been so much fun to watch him on on TV. TSN this year and he actually put out if you haven't had a chance to see it yet Marshall did a pretty cool preview of this game that Kyle and I are going to be talking about today that you can find on uh, the CFL website and it's it's typical Marshall there are graphs and charts and all sorts of cool data so definitely check that out if you haven't had a chance to but Kyle and I are going to uh, bring you up to speed on everything you need to know for for this game so (laughs) Kyle first I want to start us out with I, I have been feeling a lot of confidence coming out of Hamilton from Hamilton fans. My DMs are a little higher than usual from Hamilton fans. Where is this confidence coming from in, in your mind? I think it's the uh, schedule makers at the CFL. It just happened that the Ticats faced the three worst teams in the Canadian Football League, right? You play Edmonton, you play Ottawa, you play BC, and you win all three of those games, and it's like, oh, everything's good. Well, now you're facing a team ahead of you in the standings. It's going to be a different story. I'm not saying the Ticats are going to lose the game. I'm just, I'm more pessimistic than most fans in Hamilton are uh, when it comes to the Ticats, uh, especially against the Argos. I think the Ticats match up well um, against the Argos. Um, I think the atmosphere down at BMO is going to be an interesting one um, for this game because it's been a long time since the Ticats and Argos have faced each other this late in the season when it means something, right? Like you go back to 2019, what was it? Week 11, the Ticats had already sealed up the East division. And it was like, okay, the East final will be at Tim Hortons field. It's not the case this year, right? Like this game means something. And it's going to be interesting to see the amount of Ticats fans heading down the road and going to BMO and cheering on the Ticats. Um, because I think it makes a difference. Ticats being at home, um, you know, that's always a boost to them. But as we've seen this year, um, you know, in the Orlando Steinauer era, the Ticats had never lost at home. Well, they lost twice already at home um, to the Argos and the Alouettes, both East Division teams. So for Ticats fans to be, you know, overly optimistic about, you know, the outlook for the last two weeks of the regular season, I don't see it. Look, you're going to be in the playoffs. Um, it just where are you going to be in that first week or do you even play that first week? And that's what the Ticats are trying to hunt down here. And now they weren't exactly blown out in those two home losses, though. That was a really weird one against Montreal yeah. and then some Boris Beattie magic, which hasn't really stopped since since, since that <laughs> field goal. So he's a very good kicker. And that means something this year in, in 2021 in the CFL season. You look at across the league, 
Calgary, you're always going to have Paredes, and that guy's as trustworthy as a kicker uh, as you're going to find. Uh, you know, Edmonton with White, again, trustworthy kicker. Um, Winnipeg, even though they've been dominant this year, they just got Sergio Castillo in there. Like they've had, uh, you know, a kind of a mess of a situation um, in terms of their kicking. Um, for the Ticats, uh, you know, uh, Bertolet is he's an interesting kicker because. That game against Montreal, would he hit that 56-yarder into the wind to tie it to, you know, force overtime? Um, but outside of that, he's been a lot of, you know, up and down. And I think back to the Ticats, uh, was it Michael Damagala um, missing that extra point that would have tied the game and sent it to overtime against the Argos, but the Ticats lose. Um, but I think the bigger theme for me for the Ticats, can you put together a good 60 minutes of football? Because the loss against the Alouettes, the loss against the Argos at Tim Hortons Field. What do those two games have in common? The, the, the tie cats faded in the fourth quarter. And that worries me. Like even, you know, last week against BC, the tie cats should have won that game running away. Instead, it came down to an eight point difference. And the last play of the game, Michael Riley chucking up, uh, you know, a, a pass to the end zone where it was a jump ball situation. If BC would have found a way to catch that ball, it's a two point convert to tie the game. Um, and why was that? Because the tie cats faded and their offense faded and couldn't get a first down when they needed it the most. So Friday night's going to be an interesting one. But again, I think the the atmosphere at BMO is going to matter. And I don't know how many tie cats fans will watch this. Uh, uh, you know. Definitely tune in to, to what you're putting out there because it's good content in the CFL. We need more good content. Um, go down to BMO because I think it's going to matter if you know you have five, six, seven thousand Ticats fans. I, and I, I think it's actually going to be a pretty good environment there. I, I'm gathering that it's pretty close to a sellout. Now, this isn't your typical sellout because there's still social distancing in place. But just looking at ticketing websites earlier in the day, there was not a lot available. And so I, I know those aren't all Argos fans. I wish yeah. I wish they were. <laughs> but there's going to be a few thousand Ticats fans down there. It's going to be a pretty, I think it's going to be pretty cool. And I, I'm excited just to, to see the the atmosphere because it hasn't, it's been great at BMO all year, even, mm -hmm. even when it's been low numbers. We had a game as low as 6,000 6, fans but it's the loudest 6,000 people in Toronto that show up to these events. So it has been good, but getting what may be, I guess, 13 or 14,000 in there will be, uh, I think pretty interesting. So I'm excited about that. So hopefully we do get a, a good turnout from, from that Hamilton crowd. I know it's coming, but I think there's going to be a, a pretty good Toronto contingent there too. So I'm hoping it's yeah. electric. I think the other thing to point out as well, you look around the CFL this is kind of the last really important game, right? Like Winnipeg has, you know, clinched first place in the West. It looks like Saskatchewan's going to take that second place um, spot and the Stampeders will have to go to Regina um, in that West semi. And then if the Ticats and Orcos, you know, this game is going to go a long way into deciding um, who's going to finish atop a the, uh, the East division. And, you know, me and Marsh talked about on Marshmallow on Mondays. Um, we talked about the last week of the season and like Edmonton goes to BC. It's a 1030 kickoff. Who in the East is going to tune into that game? Like both of these teams are out. I said the, the hope for the CFL is that Nathan Rourke starts that game for BC. And then we get to see a Canadian quarterback again, starting a game uh, in the Canadian football league. Cause I think that's important uh, to have representation at the quarterback position when it comes to Canadians. Uh, so, yeah, I think this Ticats Argos game, it's as important 
you know, a regular season game as these two teams have had in half a decade, at least five years. Um, So that will be interesting. Yeah, I actually think it's the biggest game in the CFL regular season because there's Mm -hmm. been no single game that has had this much hanging in the balance, right? Winnipeg, we don't even really know when they clinched it, right? It was just sort of inevitable uh, (laughs) at some point, you know, mid-September. It's like, oh, yeah, Winnipeg is uh, sealed up. That was the story of the 2019 season, right? Right. the uh, Marsh, you know, uh, drew a correlation and it's a correct correlation in terms of the, the bombers this year are the tie cats of 2019 where the tie cats had put such a gap between themselves and everybody else in the league. And the Winnipeg's kind of done the same thing, except I think the gap's a little bit bigger and we're all like penciling in Winnipeg to be in Hamilton for the great cup. And then it comes down to whether it's the Argos in the great cup or the tie cats in the great cup or the Alouettes it's going to come down to a one game situation. Can you defeat the beast that are the Winnipeg blue bombers? Cause you're going to need to play a hell of a game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I actually don't envy their position. I think it's a tough spot and you saw, you know, firsthand with Hamilton, yeah. how tough it is to have all the pressure. There was no pressure on Winnipeg coming into that great cup no. game, all the pressures on Hamilton. And now uh, the roles are going to be reversed. And so, and, and assuming they get there, right. It's not an easy yeah. path. They've had Calgary has been coming on strong. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, out of Saskatchewan, I know that uh, the Blue Bombers have sort of had their number, but yeah, it could get that could yeah. be an interesting one because again, there's no pressure on anyone else in the West. It's just on Winnipeg, so that's going to be a. I think they're going to be a little tight coming into that game because that's a very different position than the one they were in in 2019. But yeah. let's get let's get back to let's get back to Hamilton, Toronto. We're we're excited to talk football. This is an exciting time <laughs> to uh, to be talking about the CFL because it, it is it's crunch time. These next these next few days are going to determine mm-hmm. everything in the playoff standings. So yeah, we'll we'll sort of focus in on this game. Let's let's talk about quarterback play from Hamilton. So have you seen improvements? Because the last time I really focused in on the Tie Cats was the Thanksgiving game. Uh, Argos and Tie Cats, and I've watched them all since then, but not really with the magnifying glass that I had on that game. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that Masoli has picked it up a little bit. And I know you talked about inferior competition, but do you see better play from him than we saw earlier in the season when it didn't quite look like the Jeremiah Masoli we remember? Yeah, let's go back to you know early on in the season. They start week one against Winnipeg, and what was the difference? The offensive line of the Ticats got absolutely dominated, and I don't think Jeremiah Masoli does well with pressure. I always you know talk to Marsh about this in terms of the difference of Jeremiah against Dane Evans, and it's the one criticism. I mean, not the only criticism, but I would say the main criticism of Jeremiah Masoli. Dane Evans has this innate ability to sense pressure and immediately do what he can to get away from the pressure. Jeremiah, I find when he has pressure in his face, and it's going to be huge in this game, you know, can the Argos put pressure on Jeremiah Masoli? Because I think if you can, you can force mistakes. Jeremiah does this thing where when he has pressure in his face, he floats backwards. And by the time he releases the ball, he's not stepping into it. And a lot of balls sail on him, right? It happened week one against Winnipeg. It happened in the second game against Saskatchewan. And I think if you're Hamilton, protection is going to be the ultimate you know, difference in this game. Now, offensive line play. I think if you're the Ticats, you're feeling a lot more confident with this group than the beginning of the season. You had Kay Okrafer playing left tackle and he wasn't good, just simply wasn't good. Um, and now they have Vaughn Call in there at left tackle. He has settled that position down a little bit. Chris Van Zyl's back to play right uh, tackle. And then 
you know, I, I know Yarborough who was filling in at center um, for, for a little bit there because Soraka was uh, kind of banged up. Um, you know, he's out with injury now. So it's, you know, Coulter Woodmancy, Jesse Gibbon, two really young guys in the CFL. And it's going to be interesting to see how they react to the moment because this is a super, super big game. And, you know, it is Toronto, but you are on the road. Right. You might have, you know, five, six, seven thousand Ticats fans at BMO. It's still a road game and it's an important road game. So we'll see how, you know, they play itself out. And you always have the constant on the offensive line in Brandon Riverberg. But for Hamilton and, you know, the play of Jeremiah, it's all going to be contingent upon can you protect? Because I think when Jeremiah has time, he can rip people apart and rip teams apart. Um, now, going back in the game logs for Jeremiah, like I said, inferior opponents, uh, BC, Ottawa, and Edmonton. The Edmonton game is kind of a throwaway for me because I don't know what it is. Jeremiah Masoli loves playing Edmonton. He rips apart Edmonton. I looked up the stats after he destroyed the Elks. The last four games against Edmonton, 1,599 passing yards. In four games, that's ridiculous. It's like 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. Like against Edmonton, he rips them apart. So I'm going to throw that out because he has a weird ability to just absolutely dismantle that team. And then it was Ottawa and BC. To be honest, I didn't think he was fantastic against BC. I thought there was a lot of throws that could have been better. But also realize the Ticats offensive playmakers need to do a better job of getting open and getting some space so Jeremiah can hit them. Um, if Hamilton can do that against Toronto, because I think, you know, Labor Day, I think they did that. And, you know, the, the following week, again, the offense was, had massive hiccups. You know, Jane Evans gets stinged up in that game, and then it's the David Watford show for the rest of that game. Um, but the Ticats try to, you know, they did what they could with the weapons that they had in that moment. I think this Ticats team is a lot better but the, the, the negative aspects of the Ticats that have allowed them to put the record together that they have, that still worries me going into an important game against Toronto, especially on the road. And I, I guess there's no way that we're going to see Dane Evans again this season because they've sort of, I guess that's sort of been established with the fact that Hamilton has been able to put yeah. a, a couple of wins together. That really is it. It's unfortunate to lose your job to injury, but he was, he was sort of putting it together, I thought. Yeah, and you know, I, I you know, I told you before the show, the the quarterback situation in Hamilton it's really weird. And again, I think it goes back to the offensive line play. I think the offensive line has been a lot better than the first half of the season because the first half of the season they were atrocious. They were leading the league and sacks given up. And you're not going to be able to put consistent offense together if you can't protect the quarterback. And I don't think Dane Evans has had the ability to sit behind this offensive line on a consistent basis. I know there was the one game, I can't remember who it was against, the last couple of weeks when Jeremiah got hit in the face and had a bloody nose, and Dane had to come in for a couple series, and he had a touchdown pass that was dropped by Brandon Banks when he was wide open. Um, but I would have liked to see what Dane Evans could do in that moment. But Orlando Steinauer has all the confidence in the world in Jeremiah Masoli, and, you know, I differ on that because I'm a bigger Dane Evans fan, but this is what the Ticats have done. They've handed the reins over to, to Jeremiah. And it's interesting because, you know, I said probably halfway through the CFL season that in Toronto, I didn't think Nick Arbuckle was ever going to get a starting job back. 
because McLeod Bethel Thompson was playing so well, whatever criticism you have against McLeod Bethel Thompson, um, he is, and I think we saw it last week um, in that game against Ottawa, he's a gunslinger. And sometimes when you're a gunslinger, it goes astray really fast. You know, three interceptions, but he played better as the game went along. And late in the game, he made the plays to, you know, get that victory, even though it was ugly. And sometimes you have to win ugly football games, right? Um, the difference, you know, uh, in, in, in Toronto right now is that guy knows he's has the reins for the rest of the season. Nobody's, you know, coming to replace him at that quarterback position, especially after the trade of Arbuckle. And I thought the trade of Arbuckle sent a message to McLeod Bethel Thompson that said, this is your team. And we're only going to go as far as, you know, the quarterback is willing to take us. And, you know, you're going to have to do the, the due diligence and the work during the week and the execution on the field. And if you can do that, we can get to a great cup. Are you going to be the best team in the CFL? Probably not. At the end of the season, if I have to write power rankings, whether or not Winnipeg wins a great cup or not, I'm probably going to put Winnipeg as the number one team in the CFL. But the great thing about this league, as we saw in 2019 with the Ticats losing to Winnipeg, you don't have to be the best team in the league. You just need to be the best team on the field that day. And when you get to the great cup, are you the better team on that day? You don't have to be better than the other team. But do you have more points at the end of the game than the other team? That's what matters. And from that situation, you know, whether it's Hamilton, Toronto, or Montreal, I think that's a huge opportunity because like you said, in that 2019 Great Cup, Hamilton had all the pressure on them. Winnipeg didn't. Whatever East team comes into the Great Cup this year, the pressure ain't going to be on them. Even if the Ticats play at home, you're still playing up against a, the, the beast in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So that's going to be interesting too. And you you mentioned McLeod Bethel Thompson having sort of the job now. It's him. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting that he hasn't responded the way that I thought he would. I, to me, he actually seemed to play better when he had Nick Arbuckle breathing down his neck. He hasn't really looked quite the same. Now, there have been problems because the Nick Arbuckle trade also coincided with injuries on the Toronto offensive line, losing yeah. Jamal Campbell. And he's lost pretty much every receiver he had confidence in at some point has, has gone on the IR. So um, it, it hasn't been a, a consistent uh, set of uh, tools around him. But yeah, he hasn't quite looked the same. That being said, he looks, he's sort of like the opposite of, of Hamilton in that he looks great in the fourth quarter. That's where he has come to life. Actually, opening drive. He's, he's been great through these scripted plays in the opening mm -hmm. drive. And then he disappears until that last few minutes of the fourth quarter. And that's when he comes to life again. And between he and Boris Beattie in those fourth quarters, they've been able to, to steal some wins that you know, they... They probably should have lost to BC uh, if it's not for those three missed field goals uh, from Camacho. They, I don't know if they should have lost against Ottawa, but it, it, it was dicey. You know, yeah. they, were, they were down late and then McLeod came to life again. But um, I, I think this is a game where I, I expect it to be a little bit sloppy from both Hamilton and Toronto because like we've been talking about, both teams are coming off playing inferior opponents for the last mm -hmm. few weeks. And usually you suddenly get hit in the mouth by a good defense on the other side of the ball. I wouldn't be surprised to see some turnovers. I wouldn't be surprised to see, a, a, you know, a nothing-nothing, a one-nothing score after a, a quarter of play as, as both teams try to sort of sort out what it's like to play against a good team for the first time in, in a while. So this could be a defensive battle. Yeah. And I, I think another, you know, point to bring up here is like you said, McLeod Bethel Thompson in recent weeks has, you know, played well when it mattered the most, right? In the fourth quarter. And I think another point to bring up too is the last time these two teams faced each other, McLeod Bethel Thompson in the fourth quarter, he was good. 
And he was good in, you know, I don't want to say in large part due to Hamilton's failures, but Hamilton down the stretch of that game, couldn't get a first down. Their defense was on the field a lot. And again, the situation in the game, the Ticats were up, you know, a couple of touchdowns and then it quickly went away. And all of a sudden, you know, Toronto had the upper hand and Hamilton wasn't able to close. And, you know, the final ended up the way it did. Um, but if, if you're Toronto, you know, be within striking distance in that fourth quarter, because as you know, precedent will tell you over the last couple of weeks, Hamilton fades. And not only do they fade on, you know, the offensive side of the ball in terms of, you know, getting first downs and, and scoring points, but also when your offense isn't moving the ball, you put a lot of pressure on your defense. And the Ticats have done that so often this season where they just don't put up points, right? I remember there was, you know, a game a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think it was the, the the Ottawa game where in the first half, you know, the, the final score turned out what it was. It was 32 to three or something. Um but, and everybody was saying in the press box, you know, oh, Jeremiah Masoli, you know, 160 yards passing at halftime. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Eight points. You have eight points at the half. Like numbers, yes, numbers, you know, correlate with points sometimes, but sometimes they don't. And you can put up all the yards in the world and not score points. Like that's your job is to put up points. And they were leaning so heavily on, on the Ticats defense to keep them in that game. And then as the game went along, you know, inferior opponents, sometimes they, they cover a lot of the cracks, right? Um, like, for example, like I said earlier in the season for the Ticats, the offensive line play, you know, the, the first two games, Saskatchewan and then, uh, and then Winnipeg to open the season. And then Hamilton played against Montreal and their offensive line was still terrible, but they found a way to win that game. And then again, they had some easier opponents. I think it was not easier opponents, but at that time in the season, we didn't know what ex- to expect from the Argos. The Labor Day happens. And the Ticats beat the Argos pretty handily on, on Labor Day. And I was saying, you know, even though you're winning, it's still, I see the issues on the offensive line. I see the issues on this team. And then slowly but surely, they start to creep back in and the Ticats are losing games again. And that, the opponents matter. That's the biggest thing I would tell Ticats fans heading into this matchup. And you better be ready for a fight because the Red Blacks weren't going to give you a fight. Edmonton, definitely not going to give you a fight, especially with the morale in that dressing room right now. And, you know, uh, other teams, you know, uh, around the CFL, um, yeah, Ottawa and, and Edmonton, and then obviously BC, that team just saw their season fall apart. The, the morale and the, the quality of the fight you're going to get on the other side, it wasn't fantastic. But Friday night, you better expect the fight. Has Brendan Banks come back to life? Because we've been waiting for it. I think every yeah. Toronto fan has been waiting. And, you know, game one, uh-oh, it's, it's you know, Banks is going to do some damage. And, uh, you know, he, he he made some plays, but, you know, was was not the guy that we remembered. Game two, same thing. Uh, and I don't think he I don't think he played in the third game. Uh, but his stats seem to have come to life a little bit. Is this maybe a mirage based on the schedule like we've talked about with some of the other players, or does he look more like himself? You know, I brought it up earlier in the in our conversation about, you know, Dane Evans, and he came in for a short amount of time a few weeks back and, you know, had a touchdown pass to Brandon Banks, and he dropped it. And I know Brandon Banks was kicking himself. I saw him on the sideline, you know, booting the garbage can like he was mad at himself. Um, so I don't want to say that singular moment, you know, kickstarted this run of great play from Brandon Banks. Um, I think the chemistry with Jeremiah, um, 
it's getting there. I mean, get a touchdown reception in his last game was the first touchdown he's had, you know, this season and first touchdown pass he's had from Jeremiah since early in the 2019 season. Like that's a long time. Um, but I think another thing to point out and, you know, there's a lot of Ticats players that are in this boat. The Ticats core has been together a while, a long time. Brandon Banks, Simone Lawrence, Simone's had a great season. Brandon Banks, maybe, maybe age is catching up with him, right? Like he's not, he's no longer a young receiver. He is getting older and he does rely on his athletic ability and his speed, you know, to, to make those plays. So maybe, you know, from that aspect, it's contributing to the, the lack of, you know, consistent plays, but is he getting better? Um, I think, you know, missing some time earlier in the season has helped him um, because, and you know this, right? You veterans in the CFL, all of a sudden, the second half of the season, they don't practice. But on game day, they'll play. Why don't they practice? It's because they are in their mid-30s. And it's like, they, they can't do this anymore. Like, they can't, you know, have the wear and tear on their body of practice, playing 16, 17 games a season. Now, Brandon Banks, you know, miraculously was able to stay healthy during the 2019 season. And he won the MOP because of it. But in 2018, you know, he got injured right before the playoff game. And then Hamilton went to Ottawa and it didn't go well. You know, Trevor Harris ripped them apart. So I'm looking at this from, you know, Brandon Banks. He has taken some steps, but I don't think he's the Brandon Banks. I, at least I haven't seen it from 2019. Well, I know Argos fans are hoping they don't see it for at least <laughs> one more game. And uh, and then, you know, he can go nuts against Saskatchewan yeah. in, the, in the season finale as far as they're concerned. But uh, I so I've predicted... I've been all over the map with predictions this year, but I've predicted a, a 20 to 18 win for the Argonauts. I think it's going to be a really low scoring first half, mm-hmm. going to be some signs of life. And I think Toronto probably scores late uh, for a win, or maybe it's a missed Hamilton field goal. I feel like one of those two things is uh, is going to be the way that the game finishes. But uh, tell me how I'm wrong in, in a 20 to 18 Argos win. Ooh, how you're wrong. Um, I think, I think that, Argo's offense might be able to get some big plays on the Ticats. Um, it, it's weird because the Ticats have played such kind of horrible offenses for the last month. You know, I, I'm thinking, I think I've seen cracks in their defense, right? So a couple of things, Frankie Williams is obviously an unbelievable returner of the football, but also, You know, he's a very good defensive back and a very good corner and he's an aggressive corner. He likes to play aggressive. And, you know, this is a different team from 2019 where they had Delvin bro on the other side and, you know, Jamal roll was not even starting. He was an extra corner. And I think that guy is a very good corner in the CFL and he wasn't even starting. Um, But now, you know, Jamal roll, you know, and now they have Desmond Lawrence, who's filling in for Frankie Williams because he's injured. Desmond Lawrence is interesting because the day Frankie got, injured the game he got injured in the second half the the opposition was just going after Desmond Lawrence now Desmond Lawrence has played a lot better but he's he's giving cushion to receiver a little bit more than he was um, when he filled in for Frankie. So that worries me a little bit that there is a weak spot in the Ticats offense but we haven't seen it come to fruition at least taking advantage of that crack because again, the opposition, right? Whether it was you know Edmonton, Ottawa, or BC, um, BC did a little bit. 
like Michael Riley in the second half was able to really get some rhythm going. I wonder if the Argos can do that as well. I keep talking about McLeod Bethel Thompson, him playing so well in the fourth quarter. He needs to come out in the first quarter and establish that on the day, the Argos are going to have a rhythm and the Argos are going to be able to, you know, move the football because if they can do that, I worry that the Ticats offense won't be able to keep up because they haven't been pressured in that way. The Ticats haven't been able to play, especially with Jeremiah Masoli, a quarterback in the last two years, they haven't been pushed by opponents in terms of your offense is going to have to score 28 points tonight to get a victory. Um, and again, the CFL, we've seen the numbers, right? Offense, the efficiency, it's a lot lower this year, right? If you score 25 points, probably going to win the game, right? In terms of just the way the CFL has you know, gone this season. So uh, that'll be interesting to see in terms of how the Orgos start and again, how the Ticats react. Well, before you head out, Kyle, and it's been awesome talking to you today, please tell the good people where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah, so uh, cfperspective.com. Uh, Every Mondays, uh, we release uh, Martian Mellow. It's on YouTube as well in our CF Perspective uh, page. Um, we release it every Monday. Me and Marsh, just a continuation of our TSN radio show where we talk about the CFL. It's more CFL focused, but we'll also uh, play around. Um, I think the title of our uh, of our episode this week was uh, wedding canceled. So on Friday, I'm actually going to miss the game. Uh, I have a wedding to go to. And my question to Marsh in our podcast was, uh, how do I get away to watch the game? A lot of bathroom breaks. So we'll uh, see how that plays itself out. I'll keep track, but I won't be uh, tweeting uh, live during the game as I usually do. Um, so that'll be interesting to, uh, to, to find out how I'll just watch the game. Maybe I have to watch it on replay to better understand what exactly happened. Um, and then uh, the betting perspective. Also, I write uh, game previews uh, from a wagering perspective. I give my thoughts on the game and who you should bet on. Um, I've actually been a lot better in the second half of the season. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went 4-0. Um, a lot better in the second half of the season. It is so hard to write betting perspective you know, articles when you didn't have a season before and you have no idea what's going to happen took a hit early on this season it was bad but the second half i've kind of rebounded uh so you can go and uh, read that stuff as well i can't wait to hear next monday's podcast because i want to know how your <laughs> being able to follow along the game went at the wedding i think that's going to be fantastic i'll, but, uh, I'll uh, probably be watching the game on my phone just under the table <laughs> I, hopefully not reacting you're gonna get called out for this for sure because people hey, oh, I, know. I know people will have listened they they know what you're gonna do they're gonna be looking at you looking at your phone under the table, going to the bathroom every two or three minutes. So I want to hear all about it. I'm just waiting for my girlfriend it. to just say, put that away, put it away. <laughs> it's definitely going to happen. Well, I'm very glad that I'm not going to be going to a wedding this Friday. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's going to be... It's going to be the best game of the year. This is the most excited yeah. I have been for a game uh, this season. So I can't wait for it. Uh, Kyle, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been awesome to have your perspective on this one. No, thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. That will just about do it for us on the Exit Argos Scouting Report. For Kyle Mello, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the foe, foe.